This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Consulting, leading experts for assessing and transforming management, sales, culture, and team performance. Learn more at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Manage Smarter Podcast. We're so glad that you're here today. I am Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of SalesFuel. And no, I do not have a money tree growing out in my backyard. No, that's why you need a money map. And Michael Houlihan is the man who's going to explain what that means. Michael, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Michael Houlihan, everybody, is the co-founder of Barefoot Wine, now the world's largest wine brand. He, along with Bonnie Harvey, are consultants, international keynote speakers, and the New York Times bestselling authors of a couple of books. One's called The Barefoot Spirit, How Hardship, Hustle, and Heart Built America's Number One Wine Brand and The Entrepreneurial Culture. 23 Ways to Engage and Empower Your People. We heard Michael speak in San Francisco about how employees can be trained to think like owners and entrepreneurs, and it was dynamite. And Michael's money map is the topic for today. So Michael, we can't wait for you to share this with our listeners. Okay. So um, obviously, you know, when you have a business, uh, everybody who works for you is in sales. Uh, Everybody who works for you represents your business. Um, you're very dependent on them for uh, lots of ideas. Uh, you know, there's not a company out there that doesn't want to engage and empower their people, or so they say. <laughs> so one of the things we did at Barefoot, and this is after years of doing it wrong, mind you. Oh. <laughs> uh, we, fig- yeah, we figured out that, you know, people were coming from other companies, uh, and they really didn't know where the money was coming from. They didn't know where the money that was going into their own check was coming from. They had this vague idea that somehow it came from our company. Uh, They had had this idea that somehow uh, it came from uh, some magical place. Uh, (laughs) they, they, They never really were able to put their finger on where the money came from. And we thought, well, isn't that stupid? You know, isn't that crazy that, People could work in their careers and not realize that the, that the money really comes from the customer. Yeah. Period. You know, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it. But what they, and they all vaguely knew that, but they thought that, you know, Bonnie and I had a big rock candy mountain out behind our house. You know, mm-hmm. if they needed a raise, we'd just go back there and shovel them some gold or something. Throw there it you in go. The they drive <laughs> away. Uh, but they didn't really put it together that in order for us to have money to pay them, we had to make sales. In order to make sales, we had to please the customer, and that it required a complete support system. Uh, in our company, we only had two divisions. We had sales, and we had sales support. So if you were not in sales, you were in sales support. And that was the CEO, the CFO, the CMO, the VP, even the P, the whole alphabet. We were all in sales support Mm. and that means that we had to support sales so we decided that the best thing you can do when you hire people is to give them a money map it's just like a treasure map only we called it the money map and it ends with their paycheck but it starts with the customer 
but the money goes through a lot of twists and turns and jumps a lot of hoops, but between the time it leaves the customer's purse until it gets into your employee's paycheck. But many people didn't know that, so we showed it. We graphically drew it out. We showed, for instance, in our case, the money going from the shopper to the clerk. Uh, the clerk took the money, gave it to his boss. His boss bought wine from a distributor. Uh, the distributor charged the retailer for the wine. Uh, the retailer paid the money uh, to the distributor. The distributor took the money and had to buy the wine from us, and then we shipped the wine to the distributor. Then we had to pay all our bills, and with what was left, we used that to pay the salaries. All of a sudden, they went, wow. It was clear. There was no question how the money got to them. And they could also see their job in the context of the map. So years later, fast forward today, you know, we're working for other companies and we're helping them, you know, with their company culture. And the first thing we recommend is, you know, what does your money map look like in this company? You know, let's start with where the money really starts and how does it get to your employees. And when they're hired, let's give them this map on day one so there's no question in their mind. You know, people are funny. They'll answer questions that they won't ask in their mind on day one. We like to say, when the cement is wet, you can move it with a trowel. When it gets hard, you need a jackhammer. <laughs> If you were like, wait two or three weeks before you explain where the money came from, or if you thought, well, that's so dumb, I don't have to explain it to anybody, it's obvious, well, guess what? You're going to need a jackhammer. I don't, want to, I don't want to insult them by bringing this topic up now after they've been through three weeks of training already, right? Yeah, that's so, it. But, you but, know, it's uh, like, what, what's the first thing you tell them? I, I think the first thing you say is, in, in our case, here's a customer in a supermarket. Here's what she's looking for. Here's our product, and here's how it got there. And here's how the money goes and changes hands. And, and uh, you know, then when somebody starts talking to the employee about a distributor or about a report or about a depletion or something that has to do with that money chain, they immediately go back to the map and they go, oh, that's right. That's how I make my paycheck. So if the wholesaler is not happy or if there's a logistics problem or the retailer is giving shelf space then to a competing wine or something like that, that all disrupts the, then the chain of the money that comes from the customer into my pocket. Exactly, exactly. You know, I, I like to tell the story of the guy that came into my office one day and he said, uh, and this was before we had the money map. Uh, he, he said, uh, you know, he said, uh, my wife is pregnant. Uh, I need a raise. And I said, uh, wait a minute. I said, uh, are you accusing me of something here? <laughs> <laughs> but that was about as far, you know, off base as it could possibly be to ask your boss for a raise with no reference to an increase in sales or production or a reduction in cost. Well, right, and is there a ratio, a best practice for managers that are listening that people don't understand if they've never been in business for themselves or have an ownership lens that, that they can learn through what you're teaching, that if you say I want a $10,000 raise, how much does the business really have to generate to provide that money? Is it, you know, a two to one ratio, three to one? They don't understand, they think 10 grand is 10 grand is 10 grand and it's not. 
Well, you know, most businesses, they like to brag, but most businesses run on about a 10% profit margin, if they're lucky. I mean, some 20%, but you're not going to see very many businesses out there running on 100% profit margin. Now, that's just profits, okay? So if it's 10% profit, then it's 90% cost. And so you have to take a look at it that way. And you start to think, if the costs don't expand, well, then the raise is coming out of profits. Yes. So now you're making less. So you have to expand your costs. I mean, you have to expand your, 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 uh, your overall uh, gains, your, your, your gross income, in order to be able to afford profits. But, uh, you know, if costs are 90% of your gross, uh, you really got to increase your gross before you can increase that 90%. So you mentioned the, the two-division company, which is something I've always found very fascinating because, I mean, our company is Sales Jewels, so we work with a lot of sales uh, departments across the, uh, North America, and I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Tell me, uh, what departments do you put into sales, and what departments do you put <coughs> into sales support? Well, that's a good one. I put, I put sales and customer service into sales. And the reason is, is because they're the only two departments that talk to your customer every day. They know what's wrong with your product. They know what the complaints are like. They know what the competition is like. They know what the market is like, and they know what the dynamics of the market are. Now, everybody else works in sales support, especially marketing and production. Now, a lot of companies are going to throw a red flag on the play and say, well, we can't have a two-division company. You know, we've got divisions of labor. We've got specialization. That may be true, but you can at least have some direct lines of communication between sales and customer service on the one hand and between marketing and production and administration on the other. Some people will actually, the marketing folks that are out there will actually uh, cry foul on that one too, saying, wait a minute, we affect sales. It's like, you know, and, we, and some marketers even think that sales is a, is a product of, of marketing. I think they got it backwards personally, but like, uh, what would you say to that? Well, it's interesting uh, when sales are up, marketing always takes a big deep bow, you know. <laughs> and then when sales are down, they point their finger at those guys out in the field, right? So, you know, what we're really, the difference between marketing and sales to me is marketing is the game plan. It's the way that you approach the market. You know, it's all the marketing materials. It's everything that you're telling the general public about your product. Now, the salespeople, they're generally outside. They're not inside. They're generally outside. And they're beating the bricks and they're going into the stores and they're going into the buyer's offices and they're getting their butts kicked in the real world. Mm -hmm. um, so for them, you know, they're, they're kind of like the guys who are, who are really pulling the whole horse show, you know, right there. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you take a look at sales and you take a look at uh, customer service and you ask yourself, what's the best way to keep my products relevant well, it's not going to be a focus group from the marketing department. You're going to ask the salespeople 
and the customer service people what the customers think about their products today. What, what is the competition doing? All those kinds of things. Um, yes, you can do focus groups and study groups and all that other stuff. That's wonderful. But these guys have got, you know, dirt under their fingernails. They're dealing with the grist of the marketplace. Who better could tell you what's wrong with your products? In real time. Yeah. yeah. As a fellow entrepreneur myself, I, I wanted to ask you this question. What one thing did you have to stop doing before Barefoot Wines really took off and made it big? Oh, I had to stop convincing myself that it was such a great deal for people. You know, I mean, you get carried away with your product. You, you know, you get gold medals or you get write-ups and, you know, heck, it's only $5 and you're absolutely sure that this is a terrific deal for people. Um, you know, the people who are the buyers, they don't care about that. They want to know, is it going to turn on my shelf? Um, when you talk to the distributor, they don't care about that. They want to know, are you going to sell the largest retailer in my territory and give me more strategic power as a result of representing your brand? And then the distributor salespeople, they don't care either about features and benefit. They want to know how big is the commission? How big is the spiff? When I make the sales, what are the goals? So you get right down to it until you're actually talking to the clerk, you know, who, who, who puts it back on the shelf. And uh, what he wants is to feel important. And you got to take him out to lunch and buy him a ball cap, you know. This is the kind of thing that we learned, which is that there's many different kinds of sales. And every one of them has a different need. Uh, it's not enough just to have a terrific product at a terrific price. You have to satisfy everybody along the distribution chain. And, and that was, single, that's the one thing I had to stop doing was selling features and benefits. And every single one of those people, though, came at it from what's in it for me. When that bottle right there, that, that case of bottles right there, what's in it for me? If I, you know, if I take this on, what's it going to do for me? Even the customer is like, okay, is it going to pair well for, with fish? Is it going to make my wife happy? You know, it's like, so, you know. Absolutely. Uh, and it is a real science for us to just understand that this is the problem I think with a lot of companies is they focus on their end user and well, they should, but they should also focus on all the people between them and their end user. Because like in our case, you know, we're selling in retail. Hey, guess what? You can have the best product in the world. If you're out of stock, it doesn't matter. She's going to say you're undependable. She's going to look for a brand she can depend on. And, uh, you know, it might not be your fault. It might even be the store fault. It might be the distributor's fault. It might be the trucker's fault. Who knows? But the bottom line is your people have to police it. They have to be constantly vigilant. You have to be aware of what everybody wants to keep that chain moving. Speaking of people, I know Lee wanted to ask you about hiring for hustle specifically. Do you explain what you mean by that and what your advice is to our audience. Well, Hustle is the ability to get things done in a rapid fashion. It's not sloughing your feet along, right? It's not looking at your toes. It's not getting around to it. It's having a sense of urgency. So what we like to do is look for people who have a sense of urgency, people that can think on their feet, people that can move 
they understand how to prioritize. You know, if you give them five or six things, they can put them in priority. They know what the most important thing is to do first, second, third, and fourth. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, because of technology, you know, you've got a screen on your computer. It has everything on the screen, all in icons. One of the things is called settings. Imagine how important that is compared <laughs> to the one called pictures. <laughs> See, so the ability to pick out settings would be something you'd be looking for. So one of the things that we do here, I mean, we, we give our, uh, our candidates homework to do. We, we, we give them an assignment, we give them a deadline date, and then we, you know, we re make sure that it's on time, we review the work, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, we take people out to lunch and, and we see how they, how they treat the waiter and how, you know, do they, what type of uh, table skills do they have, that sort of thing. Mostly, are they gonna be polite, nice people? Can they carry on a conversation? Uh, that's right. You've got some other ones in your book, uh, the, uh, the uh, entrepreneurial culture that I really like, starting with the one look in their trunk. I love this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, one of the things that we used to do was uh, we would invite uh, people over for an interview and we would always, whether they pass the interview or not, you know, we'd We'd say, thanks for coming over. You know, we want to give you a bottle of wine. We want to put it in your trunk. You know, it doesn't want to be, you know, in, in the passenger compartment. And uh, that would give us an opportunity to look in their trunk. And, oh, my God, you know, if they had a bunch of papers with tools on top of it, you know, we would realize that this person had a long way to go before they could actually work for us. Uh, it, was, it, was always a, it was always a great way uh, to, to tell how organized a person was. Uh, another thing that we'd do is we'd invite them over to our house. They'd spend the night. Um, they'd go to the office the next day for a series of interviews. But we would check them out after they left the house in the morning. We'd check out the room. We'd see how they left it. We'd check out the bathroom. See That's how, how you silverware is still there. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like these people are representing you and your business. If they're not disciplined, if they're not tidy, uh, they aren't going to be for your customer. So my attitude is let, let's, let's not give the customer another reason to say no. <laughs> what I find fascinating about that is that salespeople are notorious, though, for having messy cars. So <laughs> yeah, not, not ours. Not okay. ours. Because they're in them so much? Is that the, the theory? <laughs> I guess so. I mean, because it's like, you know, I, I'm driving, I'm getting from point A to point B. I got to see that customer, got to see that customer or whatever. And then they're eating fast food in the car and there's wrappers and it's just disgusting. Yeah, so. I, I have <laughs> ridden in many of those cars. I know the feeling. Uh, one of the things that you guys might enjoy is uh, one of the ways that we would discover a candidate that we wanted was on the last day of the interview, we'd sit them down and we'd say, now today, um, we're going to do all the talking. You're just going to sit there. And so then we'd tell them, this is our company. These are our competitions. This is our major challenges. Here's how the job that you are applying for affects those challenges. Here's what you can do. Here's what you don't do. Uh, and then we'd say, all right, you got that? And they'd say yes. And then we'd say, okay, here's what we'd like you to do. Tomorrow afternoon by 5 p.m., we would like you to submit a one-page document that indicates what I just told you and how you fit in. And you know what was funny? Only one out of three people could do it, and they'd passed all of our other exams. Wow. It was scary to think that they got that far. 
and they would have these wonderful resumes written by professionals, you know, and, uh, you know, you're really measuring their comprehension. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you're really setting yourself up because you don't really want to hire the person that keeps saying like what. You want to hire the person who gets it and can apply an example from one uh, situation to another because they grasp the principle. And you also want people that can do things on time and under pressure. So you learn a lot by that little uh, exercise. That's a good one. We're going to have to start doing that, Lee. <laughs> well, the listening skills is really what you're testing first and yes. foremost. I mean, it's like, because yeah. they'll nod their head and they'll tell you every time, oh, yep, got it. Yep, heard everything you said. It's like, nope, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, Michael's website is thebarefootspirit.com. And if you have an opportunity to see him speak in person, I cannot encourage you yeah. enough to He's attend. terrific. He's worth every penny. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. For 2019, um, do you have any of your um, speaker uh, events lined up that you want to share? Couple. Well, I've got a, I've got a couple coming up. Uh, yes, I believe that I'm going to be speaking down in uh, Texas uh, at the uh, National uh, uh, Business Network, uh, uh, the International Business Network, um, and then we have several engagements. Uh, Next year, they're going to be in Europe. Uh, we're speaking uh, at uh, Nanyang University in Singapore. Wow. Uh, and also uh, uh, Skolkovo University in Moscow, of all places. Wow. Uh, so uh, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, we're doing something next year that's really fun. Your listeners will love. Uh, we're putting together a 1940s-style radio theater version of our New York Times bestseller. So instead of having a, um, a, a, a narrator droning in your earbuds a book, reading it to you, it's going to be acted out for you by various different Hollywood actors that play characters. So you're going to participate. So it's, it's a kind of experiential learning where you're going to participate by building the stage in your mind you know, in, in the props, uh, somebody says, so this takes place in the back room of a supermarket. Well, then your mind goes to what that must look like. You get a few props thrown at you, and then you hear these people talking. And the idea is that you'll remember more when you hear story. So the audio book is going to be 30 short stories, anywhere from 30 seconds to three minutes long. So you can listen to them while you're jogging or driving uh, and put it down when you're done and pick it up again. We're really excited about this. It's going to be out in January. So check out our, our website to see when it's coming. Fantastic. Yeah, once again, the website, thebarefootspirit.com. Michael, thanks for coming today. We really appreciate it. Terrific. Yeah. Uh, everybody, managedsmarter.com has all the episodes, uh, the archive of the show. Michael, such a privilege having you. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Tell a friend and share it with a coworker. Everybody needs to hear what Michael had to share with us today. And uh, again, we, we thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Lee. Great to see you, Audrey. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.